Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Dale Walker. I want to welcome you to our leadership podcast. We are looking at how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. I'm excited to have you listening. If you want the notes on this, you can get them at dalewalker.life. There's also a lot of other resources to help you grow in your leadership. Share this with someone if you are blessed. I know you will be. God bless you. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to week five of Preaching and Teaching to Change Lives. I am so excited about today's message. It's called Discovering and and Sharing Your Life Message. And I just love to challenge people that God has given you not only a, a specific life purpose, but He has given you life messages that are authentically part of who you are, his strategy to use you. I like to think of a life message as pearls, like in an oyster that are formed by pressure and pain, but become a treasure to other people. I believe at the heart of a life message is how God has redeemed things in your life, healed you, liberated your past is the way I would say it, Why? So that you can bring hope to other people. Here here are some key things. Obviously, when we talk about uh, your life message, we're we're speaking a lot about your testimony and and special words that connect with that testimony. And the testimony is clearly something that God has done that shows people hope. I love what... 1 Timothy 1.16, Paul explains that he was the chief sinners. But he says, for this very reason, I was shown mercy so that through me, the worst of sinners, Christ might be display, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. You see, when, when the gospel becomes a testimony, people can get it and they can receive hope and faith. When they saw that Paul had been the worst sinner, but now he was an apostle, and his life had been redeemed, that made the gospel real. Now I can see it. It's the word in flesh. Uh, It shines light on on the goodness of God, even to skeptical people. They can see it. I I once was lost. I I once was, was selfish, but... Look, God has changed me to a giver. Wow, people can argue with your theology, but it's hard to argue with a changed life. It it frames a picture for you to look at your own pain in a different way. It allows you to look at even the sad stories you're about to face in light of the great victories that God has already won in your life. It allows you to look for God's redemptive purpose. You know, when Joseph had suffered so much and uh, his brothers had betrayed him, he says at the end in Genesis 15, 20, he says, but everything that you meant for evil, God has meant for good. He was reminding everyone, hey, God is in control. Uh, When the worst has happened, God is still working things for good. You can have hope uh, 
just, I love this idea that God never says, oops, I didn't see that coming. No, God sees everything coming. And he will turn traumas into testimonies. He never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a tear. Fourthly, this is an area where you have a gift of faith and special authority, both to overcome the enemy and to change the atmosphere around you. This is incredibly important. Um, there are two weapons the Bible describes in Revelations 12, 11 that defeat the enemy in our life and on behalf of others. It says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Number one is the finished work of cross, of the cross. But he goes on to say, and by the word of your testimony, because you love not your life to death. Your testimony has power and authority to overcome the enemy. I, I love to say, when we give our testimony, we get to remind the devil of his defeat in our life over and over again and build our faith in our life for the next battle that we are going to face. You have authority where you have experienced God's faithfulness and victory. I like to say number five, it's an inheritance, more valuable than any other physical asset, more valuable than millions of dollars. Because your testimony is a, a, a ticket that you not only can cash in again, but you can give to others. Uh, we like to say from the Hebrew, the word testimony means uh, do it again. <laughs> and our testimony, we've said this before, is our prophecy of what God is about to do to others. When you have a testimony, you can say boldly, this is who God wants to be and who can, what God can accomplish. Uh, Revelation 19.11 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Psalms 119.111 says, I have inherited your testimonies forever, and they are the joy of my heart. It, it is incredible the authority you have when you're operating in your, your zone. People can argue with a lot of things, but, but as it was with uh, that man who had been born blind and the Pharisee said, ah, oh, this man's a sinner, you can't, you know, says, I don't know what he is, but I know I was blind, but now I see. You can't argue. It doesn't matter how smart or uneducated compared to other people. Once you have a testimony, you have authority and, and you have faith. And it's, it's so powerful. You know, just even last night or so I, at our life group that I'm a part of, um, we were talking about hopelessness. And one of the people in there said, uh, Pastor Dale, I've heard you tell this story about your mom, but I want you to know I can't tell you how many times that testimony has got me hope. And the testimony was that after my mom had, you know, the six children, things were going well, the kids were getting uh, off track. And she came to a point of despair where she said, uh, Lord, I failed as a mother. <laughs> and, and the Lord spoke to her, 
Yes, Eileen, you may have failed, but I haven't failed. I will finish the work and I will move in your children. Of course, all of the kids came to the Lord. And, but that little testimony helped him as a parent to say, hey, I know I failed, but I remember God hasn't failed. And it lifted faith. I have seen just in practical ways areas where because I've had a victory, I have faith. If, if I tell people about planting a church, I don't just say it's a good idea. I say, God will bless that. I, I've been there. I saw him. <laughs> yeah, I saw him when it seemed like this church would never get established. When I pay, pray for people to recover, I remember that I fell off a mountain 30 feet, and the doctor said he hoped I could walk. Probably I would be with a cane, and, and the Lord told me, you're going to run again, and I recovered. And, and I believe that people will recover. I have faith for depression, and I tell the story because I believe it's a prophecy that God will bring anyone I pray for out of depression. Sharon has an amazing gift of faith as it relates to disease, and she tells stories about how, how she was getting tested for MS and how God spoke to her that she could always believe him for her protection. And uh, when this COVID thing hit, she immediately began to praise God and claim that the Lord showed her an angel at the foot of our bed and said, you are covered, you are delivered. And, and there was faith for that. And it's, it's caused us to be calm, even when, you know, we might have had a sniffle or something else. Now, here's an important point. Number six, telling your story is a key to claiming and being grounded in your identity. You know, much about sanctification or becoming holy really has to do with how we see ourselves. You know, someone says there is our surface identity. I am a, a Dallas Cowboys fan. That's, that's, but that's not my core identity. That's, that's a very, that's a base, uh, baseball hat I have. And it, it's not who I am. But there are other things. I am a father. I am a shepherd that go deep inside of me. I am a person who is free of addictions. I, I, I am a person who, who loves my family and would never give up on my marriage. These things are at the core of my identity. The more I see myself in that role, the stronger I am to live that role. And every time we tell our story, it gives us an area of our life to declare what we believe. And our, our story makes our identity stronger, therefore making our walk with Christ better. In Philemon 1.5, Paul says that by the sharing of your faith, you will become more effective because you are acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Um, here's a point I want to make. Satan want, wants God's work in your life to just be 
a little blip on the radar screen, a one-and-done event. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice. You were healed. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, you were set free from a temptation. But God doesn't want it to be a past distant memory. He wants it to be a piece of permanent armor that you wear and a seed of faith that causes you to expect even greater things. When the man who had had a legion of demons was set free, the first thing Jesus told him to do is go back home and tell everybody what God has done for you. I can't help but think that the Lord knew that by that declaration of testimony, he would be able to overcome, as the Bible says, when demons are cast out, they try to come back. And, and no doubt the enemy would try to come back and say, you're not really free. Are you really free? Just as every one of us have had that happen. But every time he made his testimony, he overcame. No, I am free. This is what God has done for me. One of the other things, number seven, is your testimony never grows old. Uh, when you give your testimony, you're going to repeat that many times. Why? Because it has power. It's like, you know, it's like if you go to a, a great musician and they sing their signature song, you know, whatever it was, I'm proud to be an American or whatever. And when you go to a concert, you don't say, oh, no, they're going to sing that again. You're going you're to say, no, yeah, they're going to sing that again. That's their story. And, and your testimony is something that you want to use over and over. It also is something you want to weave into the messages and conversation, especially that you tell your children. It becomes a part of your legacy. The story of your family becomes a story that's a starting line for them and their families. It becomes a way of convincing them that even greater things will they do than you did because you have the foundation of a family story, your children will be more excited about succeeding. I believe that's true within a church. I tell the stories how God miraculously gave us a beautiful building, on and on, because it's our legacy, and that becomes a destiny for the next generation. Um, number eight, it is unequivocally tied to your purpose in life. Your life story and your life purpose go together. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, God comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. This is saying all of that stuff that we had to get healed of and comforted, there is a purpose in that. It is a way that we comfort others. As we begin to share from our testimony, we often will discover that we are right in line with why God put us on the earth. And we will begin to be more and more aware of his eternal plan. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, God has works that he has prepared for us before the foundation of the world. As we declare our story, we will see more of those works. I, I love the fact that God wants to empower us to be witnesses. That's at the core of our purpose. And I always like to point out, being a witness is 
different than being a prosecuting attorney. You know, a prosecuting attorney has to be smart and convince people. You don't have to convince people. Just tell your story. Just give witness. Nobody can argue with that. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how young you are, how old you are. You have a story. <laughs> and that story has incredible power in God's call to help you impact others. So here's the key. The story becomes effective when you're able to articulate it and connect it with your life purpose. And that's why I'm doing this teaching. Your, your testimony is not only things God has done for you, but it is things God has shaped in you, even before your mother's womb. It, it is the way that God has shown you who you're to be and revealed to you things that you're to believe and do. When we talk about life purpose, what do we mean? It is how you and I are destined to fulfill our greatest and make our greatest contribution to the cause of Christ on earth. It is the thing that becomes the theme of your life. Now, it is so helpful when you see my life message and my life purpose, how they go together. I like the quote that says, there are two great days in a person's life. One is the day they are born, and two is the day they discover why. <laughs> when you link why you're here with what has happened in your life, you become very aware that you have not only a mission, but you have a message. It's not just something I like, I wish. It is what you were made for. I like to... The, what someone said, your, your, your message, your passion, your purpose is the hot coal under a stack of wet blankets in your life. And, and I love trying to remove wet blankets. I love it when I can help someone find there's music inside of you, brother. You know, I remember one author wrote about her dad who always wanted to become a uh, band musician. And he was talented. He could play instruments, but he just never got around to it. And uh, someone asked her what was sad after her dad died. He said, well, the saddest thing is that he died with the music still in his heart. <laughs> and, and don't die with the music inside of you. Understand what you were born for. This, this comes, like I said, not only from life experiences, but words that you've received. The rhema words of God. Revelations are part of those pearls that God brings to your life that you carry around and, and you can give to others. What I love about the pearls God gave you, you can never give them away and have them leave you. The more you give, the more pearls you have. And so you can just keep giving the pearls as much as you want. So how do you discern your passion and your purpose and so you can connect them in your life message? I encourage you to do a something in a time of reflection. Write down God-given dreams or whispers that you've received. Key scriptures God has highlighted for you in your life. I know for me, a couple of those scriptures include uh, Acts 26, 18. I remember when I was a kid, the Lord showed me these people walking off a cliff with blindfolds and he, 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 he sent me to them 
And he gave me this verse to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and find an inheritance in, 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 in God. And in that vision, I just became, oh yeah, I have got to take blindfolds off, you know, and uh, show people who God is. This little quote of Socrates, I've become to appreciate more and more, which is simply, know thyself, know yourself. Know the things that are in the treasure chest of your heart. You've had prophetic words. In 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul reminds Timothy, he says, he says, don't forget everything I'm going to lead you in, teach you, is based on those prophetic words you receive. They are given to you to help you fight the Lord's battles. Reflect on those, those, those words, those things in your heart that God has said to you about what you're to be and what you're to accomplish in, in life. And, and tie those, as we'll see, with your life message. Observe things that have broke your heart, ways that God has stirred you. Uh, you know, one of the things that you can always tell is that when you're in an area where God's called your passion, it's like you come alive. There's, there's one thing you feel when you're about to do what you, were, what you ought to do. There's another thing you feel when you do what you were made to do. You, you, you feel passion come up in you. You feel uh, just that sense. I could talk about this forever. I'm in my lane. I'm in my calling. I love the questions. Ask what makes you cry, what makes you sing, what makes you dream. What are the things inside of you that you cannot bear to see? What are the people who are in suffering right now? If you could immediately go take chains off of them, who are the people that would come to your mind first? I don't know. Is it the homeless? Is it the people being trafficked? Is it, is it little children? All of these things are key to also communicating your life message. It is a great thing to ask strategic questions and write out your story based on some of these questions. For example, what were the greatest giants you ever faced in your life? What were the greatest lessons you ever learned? What are the greatest needs in the world you can identify with? What are the greatest victories in your life? What's the bravest thing God has ever helped you do? What is your gift of faith? The thing that you know that you know God can do for you and others. How did you get saved? These are all great questions that help you begin to tap into your life purpose and your life message. So finally, let's just kind of talk through how do you write out and communicate your life message? Here's some simple ideas. Start by identifying and articulating an area of major pain that God has healed in your life. Go back and think uh, of that thing that uh, you were devastated by. Maybe it was being abandoned by your father. Maybe it was uh, a rough season of dealing with an illness or grieving someone's loss financial hardships, being homeless, whatever it was that God delivered you from. And then 
reflect on it. Number two uh, is just how did that affect you? What happened because of that? Number three, what were what was the inner dialogue about that pain? Were there lies that you believed? Maybe you began to believe that your life was hopeless, that you didn't matter, that you were doomed and bound to always be poor or broke. But here's the important one. What was the healing point? What was the occasion where breakthrough began? What was that moment where you knew the truth and it began to set you free, where the Holy Spirit came <laughs> and changed you did a 180 in your heart. Fifthly, what's the evidence of that healing? What happened? You had peace. You, you had new opportunities. How were you forever changed? To this day, how are you different because of God's encounter? What is the message in this encounter and experience? Include what new identity did that give you or how did that reinforce who you now could see yourself to be in Christ. What is the declaration and declarations that you have made and God wants you to continue to make based on what he did? And how does that all relate to your purpose? Um, once you kind of start to identify that, to say, wow, you know, I always thought I was stupid, but one day God sent a teacher into my life. They spoke something. I got faith. Now I am <laughs> sure that I'm supposed to be a teacher, and I speak this, that God has given me wisdom, and he healed me, and now I encourage other people. One of the huge things is wherever God has touched you, he's given you faith to believe things. He's given you faith to impart that gift and that hope to somebody else. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 20, excuse me, Matthew 10, 8, and he's talking about people who'd been raised from the dead or healed. He said, freely you have received, freely give. Um, as you begin to identify what this story is, uh, identify how it directly relates to the lives of people God is going to give you the opportunity to speak to. Once you have, have done that, go from talking about your testimony, your life message, to talking to the people, to saying things like, I know some of you are going through the very same thing I have. You feel this and you feel that and you feel the other. Here's the word I want you to hear. God is no respecter of persons. This is what he did for my life. And in light of this, this is what he wants you to know. In light of this, you are going to have a clear picture of your destiny and your purpose as you focus it now off of yourself and onto others. Let me just close. There's so many examples I could give. But let me give you uh, an example. I, I have several, well, dozens of testimonies in my life. And uh, I've literally preached hundreds and hundreds of messages connected to those. But here's one, and, and just to give you a model of how you might uh, preach something that's part of your life message. 
I, I called this message, I'm a masterpiece, based upon Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. Uh, the text, as I shared this uh, message, was Genesis 29, the story of Leah in the Bible. You might remember Leah was uh, you know, Rachel's, uh, Rebecca's sister that Jacob marries. And uh, she was the unloved, uh, rejected one of the two because Jacob wanted to marry Rachel. I'm sorry, I'm getting those two mixed up. Rachel, he wanted to marry Rachel, but uh, the father-in-law played a trick. And so when he woke up in the morning, it was Leah and he was, he was devastated. He had to work another year to get the lady he really did love. And in the story, uh, Leah goes through so many things uh, including every time she's going to have a baby, she said, well, maybe this time my husband's going to love me. And nothing happens until the end of the story. is very beautiful. Uh, when Judah is born, in Genesis 29, 35, it says, and, and when Judah was, I named him Judah, which means praise. Finally, she was able in praise to find God's healing from her rejection. So if I was to share that message, I would share how I relate to Leah. I would say for some reason, I always felt uh, more like the ugly duckling in my family. I felt that, uh, uh, that I was less popular, handsome, whatever, than my siblings, uh, which all of them were incredibly popular, and, and especially they were all great musicians, which I'm not. But the important thing is, early in my life, I took on a spirit of rejection, a pain. And that got reinforced by many things. Uh, you know, I wouldn't get to perform with them. Uh, I went through lots of people. You know, when you expect rejection, you get rejection, you know. And I had a big head as a little kid. They called me blockhead. And, I, I got rejected by a lot of people, and it became in me the idea that I was always the second choice and, and so forth. I began to believe lies of all kind, and, and those lies drove me to perform. I had to be the best. I was often angry. I was always trying to please people. I, I had a broken self-image. You know, when I looked at myself, it was through Satan's broken mirror. And so I always concluded that I was not good enough. And the next thing I would begin to go and share, I'd say there, there came a point of breakthrough in my life. It actually began with a breakdown. And I would tell the story of how Sharon and I, literally in our marriage, uh, crashed. And then when I went to to the Lord, and I, and I went to a pastor, suddenly I began to see the root of all of that was my desperate search to prove that I was somebody that made me a workaholic, that caused many dysfunctions in my life. And now I felt I was at the point of losing my marriage. I had never felt more hopeless. And then in a little uh, retreat center, Morro Bay, California, at an early vineyard conference, the Spirit of God came on me. 
They carried me out of the room and literally into the kitchen on one of those serving trays, and I was a mess. And it was suddenly as though the years of carrying rejection were all coming out. I was weeping. I was saying, God, I feel so unworthy. I feel like such a failure as a husband, everything else. Uh, God, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. And in that moment, God broke through. He spoke so clearly to me that if I never did another thing, he would still love me just as much. And no matter what I did, I could never be loved more. He spoke and whispered my name in a way that told me I was his blessed son and his favor was on me. He delighted in me. It changed something deep inside of me that said, you don't have to work for anything. You are forgiven and loved exactly where you're at. It became my Judah moment. I began to worship just like Leah did. And in that praise, I was set free from my rejection. The results of that were dramatic. Obviously, first of all, our marriage was healed. Within 24 hours, my wife was totally free from a root of bitterness she had towards me. She was healed of months of depression. She was again filled with the Spirit, and our marriage came alive. More of that than that, I began to serve God out of peace and not out of performance, so much more. I could accept my weaknesses. I could say no to people. I could carve out the right time for my family. God had come. This ties so much to my purpose, the calling that I discovered that I have is to reach out to some we call born losers. This is a story literally from our daughter Molly who was adopted by us, born addicted. And during a commercial, we saw an advertisement that referred to drug-addicted babies as born losers. And God spoke to Sharon, watch what I can do if you put a born loser in my hand. It confirmed that we were called, especially to the broken children of the world, we were called to those probably who felt the most rejection. And God was going to redeem all the uncertainty because he was calling us to go find the second-class citizens and treat them and teach them that they are sons, daughters, kings, priests, queens. <laughs> They're royalty. They'll never be rejected again. This moved us, among other things, to start a global ministry that has supported and helped feed the hungry by the tens of thousands, millions actually, of meals have been served through that which we started or supported to be a church focused on children and wounded kids especially. It has given us this sense of purpose that I am supposed to be a spiritual father to many leaders. And, and because of, of that calling, what God did in my own heart, I have a gift of praying for people who are fatherless. And I can't tell you how many times the Spirit of God has come 
uh, upon them and healed their broken heart. All of this ultimately relates to how I can help other people discover their identity, which is a core value of my life calling. I would say some testimony like that, and then I would begin to speak to the people. I know some of you in this room can understand what it feels like to be thought of as a born loser or to not have the opportunities others had to be criticized, ridiculed, maybe even by your own family, to suffer tremendous rejection whether it's over your, your income status, your, your education, your appearance. But I want you to know there is a God who loves you. And I would begin to speak to them. You are not rejected. You are a child of God. Christ is already sent out to you his adoption, papers, for you to be brought in. You are redeemed. His spirit is going to fall on you. How many of you here today would like to go from rejection to God's grace of acceptance? I want to pray for you right now that the spirit of God's love will come upon you in Jesus' name. You see how that just transitions now into a life message? that can help other people. My prayer for you in these days to come is to help every one of you who would like work on a life message. I would love for you to send me your rough draft. I'd love to give input to it. I'd love for those of you who are in the class to plan and we'll give you the opportunity to tell your life story. God's going to use this. The more testimony more triumphs. I believe that with all my heart. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. It is our hope that you have been inspired in a great way. We encourage you to stay tuned for future content. May God bless you richly.